God brought you to this moment. Through invitations, celebrations, teachings, and difficult situations, your Heavenly Father has shaped and molded you. We all have stories of how we got to this very moment, in Mass, together. When you share your story, however you share it, you are inviting others to experience the life of privilege that your faith has gifted you. Telling your story helps you understand it on a deeper level, revealing why you went through challenges and how there is no explanation other than Jesus that led you to this better place. These unexplainable moments that strengthened your faith have power. That power is multiplied when shared. Can't do anything in the dark. We're in the third week of our current message series all about sharing our faith. More specifically, we want to inspire, encourage, and equip you to share your faith with people who have become disconnected from Christ and His church or have never had a connection in the first place. We believe sharing our faith grows our faith and helps us develop a closer connection to Christ. Our faith grows when we take some time, extend some energy, and put some thought into helping other people connect with Christ. Sharing your faith helps you grow personally, just as it obviously helps the church grow corporately. We all benefit when new people who have been disconnected from any kind of family of faith get connected to our family of faith. We don't share our faith because we're right and everybody else is wrong. We share our faith because we want the best for others. We want them to enjoy a more successful life, a more successful living. While some people do reject or ignore God outright, it's clear that for many people, if not most people, stay away from God and church and religion because they do not feel welcome. They do not feel welcome. They never got the invitation. Our role is not to discern who's good and who's bad, who's right and who's wrong, who's worthy and who's unworthy, who's in and who's out. Our role is not to discern who will accept the invitation and who will not. Our role is to make the invitation. How do we do that? Our strategy is simple. We talk about it all the time. We like to say invest, and invite. Invest and invite. Invest in friends and family, co-workers and classmates, get disconnected from Christ and His church, and then, when appropriate, invite them to join us. Here on Ridgely Road, or online, or perhaps first one, and then the, the other. Over the course of this series, it's my hope that we'll grow in greater appreciation of what we do gathering here at the Eucharist as well as grow in a greater desire to share our experience with others. 
Today we're going to look at sage advice for sharing our faith from the greatest preacher of all, the greatest preacher ever, St. Paul the Apostle. An evangelist is someone who shares the gospel with others, and Paul was among the very first to do that, and probably he was also the most effective. Paul began his career persecuting the early Christian community. Then, after an incredible conversion experience, Paul traveled throughout the Roman Empire sharing his faith in Christ. While it can be hard for us to share our faith, consider the obstacles Paul had to overcome. No one had ever heard of Jesus. He was an obscure carpenter from someplace called Nazareth. For those who had heard of him, he had been handed over by his own people to the Roman authorities and crucified as a criminal. The idea that this man, Jesus, was actually the Son of God and Savior of the world must have sounded ludicrous in the first century. Despite those obstacles, Paul persevered. He would go into a community for a period of time, seize any opportunity he could to announce that God had sent his Son into the world, and that by his cross and resurrection, humanity now enjoys a new relationship with God, a relationship that was not possible before. By connecting to Christ, we're no longer alienated from God. We're sons and daughters of God. That was his message. Many people ignored or rejected it. Some reacted with, with hostility and even violence. However, still others accepted the message. Then Paul would help that group of people to form a community of Christ followers. These were the earliest church churches, meeting in members' homes. When he felt that they had a solid foundation, a cohesive community, and a firm understanding of their faith, then he would move on to another city to repeat the exercise all over again. One of the Christian communities that Paul established was in the bustling port city of Thessalonica in Greece. Paul established a church in Thessalonica but had to leave the city only after a few months because of the opposition that he faced. And since he had to leave earlier than he would have liked, Paul wrote a follow-up letter to the community, which forms one of the books of the New Testament. We heard from that letter in today's second reading. The letter encourages the Thessalonians in their faith, but also in sharing their faith providing, as we'll see, some simple, solid advice. He began, Paul, Silas, Timothy, we give thanks to God always for you. We give thanks. While Paul led the movement to bring the gospel to the world in the first century, he would have been the first to acknowledge that he didn't do it alone. He had friends in faith. He had friends in ministry who worked alongside him in this case, Silas and Timothy. When we think of sharing our faith with others, we tend to think it has to be all on us. We're all alone and on our own. It's a solitary exercise. And that can feel intimidating, even strange. Our hope is that as unchurched guests and visitors, 
come to our church, they experience a community of believers who together form an environment of evangelization, an environment of evangelization. From the parking lot to the greeters at the front door to the host ministers in the sanctuary, tech and ops behind the scenes, the cafe and kids ministers, the student ministers, they're all working together, together creating an environment of evangelization. Here's the deal. We promise that if you ever go to the trouble of inviting a friend or family member who doesn't have a church here to our church, and they actually show up some Sunday, our team will not let you down. We will not disappoint. Promise. I've told this story before, but a man stopped me in front of church one Sunday and told me that he had been inviting his neighbor to church for three years. And for three years, his neighbor resisted. But finally, at last, his neighbor accepted his invitation, and he would be coming the following Sunday. Wow, that's great, I said. Great job, great job. Yeah, great job, he said. So don't screw it up. (laughs) We promise to stay committed to not screwing it up, to creating an environment of evangelization. And by the way, Later at Mass today, we'll be promoting just such service opportunities for creating an environment of evangelization. On the one day of the year, Christmas Eve, when we can definitely, absolutely, positively expect thousands of unchurched guests and visitors to come to Mass. This year, we're returning, as you know, to the Maryland State Fair, and we're going to need lots and lots of help. So stay tuned for that announcement. Then Paul continues with additional advice when it comes to effectively sharing our faith with others. He wrote, for our gospel came to you not only in words. Our gospel came to you not only in words, which means, of course, it came in words. He did use words. Paul used words. Over and over again, Paul insists that for people to hear and know the good news of the gospel, it must be spoken. It must be preached. Paul was perhaps the most prolific preacher and teacher in Christianity ever. Most of the New Testament are in his words. Paul did use words. And to effectively evangelize sooner or later, you've got to use words too. Think about it. We talk about the Mass as word and sacrament. Fully half the Mass is called the Liturgy of the Word, which is focused on the Word of God. And in the second half, the Liturgy of the Eucharist, if I don't say the words of consecration, the bread remains only bread, the wine only wine. It doesn't become the body and blood of Christ, until the words of consecration are spoken. It requires words. So all that to say that eventually, you will need to use words at some point in some way to share your faith with others. But not just any words. Words with conviction. Words of conviction. That's why we need to personally understand how good the good news really is. It's why we have to come to an ever deeper 
an ever-deepening understanding of how loved by God we really are. We share our faith not because we want something from anybody, but because we want something for them. We want them to know how loved by God they really are. Conviction makes a huge difference. It makes all the difference because it makes this incredible fact believable. You know, if you had tickets to the Super Bowl or you just discovered a fabulous new restaurant, if you saw an amazing movie, you'd want to tell people about it. And you wouldn't speak about it blandly or in a dull tone. You'd share your excitement with enthusiasm and conviction. When someone speaks with conviction, we're more likely to listen and we're more likely to hear. Invite the Holy Spirit to help you. Be humble, be emotionally intelligent, but by all means, share your faith with words of conviction. That's the second tip. And there's a third, and it's really the simplest of all. Paul wrote this. You know what sort of people we were among you, and you became imitators of us, so that you became a model for all the other believers. Let me read that again. You know what sort of people we were for you, and you became imitators of us, so that you became a model for others. The third tip is that our actions matter. Paul effectively shared his faith with others because he undertook good deeds as a sign of his faith. He demonstrated the goodness and grace of God through his life and work. Sure, some of his actions were miraculous, mighty deeds, but still others were merely mundane acts of kindness. Either way, the Thessalonians saw through them that he was willing to suffer so that they would know the truth of God's love. Same for us. We share our faith through our good deeds and good work. We invest in others through acts of service and kindness in order to share our faith. In the first week of this series, we discussed a few ideas of what that could look like, what that could be. We want to conduct ourselves in workplaces, in social gatherings, at school, at home, as brand ambassadors for Christ. That's what we should be, brand ambassadors for Christ. And when we are, notice then the progression, the pattern that repeats itself. The Thessalonians came to faith through Paul's good example, and then they became role models for others. The believers in the church in Macedonia were inspired by the Thessalonians. You have friends and family, co-workers and classmates who will one day be a model for others to know the Lord because you have been a model for them. What a privilege. What an opportunity. Well, as we wrap up today, which of these three tips, pieces of advice from Paul, do you need to take a look at? Do you need to act on so that you can better, more effectively share your faith? Specifically, think of those three people whose names you wrote down the first week of this series, or think of just one of the three. Which of the tips today would help you share your faith with them? Maybe you need to step up to serve as a member minister. 
And this Christmas is the perfect opportunity to do so. Step up to serve and help us shape an environment of evangelization. Or maybe you need to pray for greater conviction when it comes to speaking words of faith. In your daily quiet time this week, how about taking time to pray for conviction and, frankly, courage to speak words of faith? Maybe your next step is to go back to the first week of this series and figure out the ways that you can undertake good deeds and good work to model faith as a brand ambassador for Christ. At its core, sharing your faith with others is an invitation. In word or action, in word or deed, it is an invitation to a celebration. The biggest celebration of all, the biggest celebration ever, the kingdom of heaven. Here at the Eucharist, we participate, we anticipate the kingdom of heaven. And that can impact and change and transform our daily lives and the lives of those around us. We love people best when we care about them enough to invest in them and to invite them into this experience. The greatest value you and I can ever add to someone's life is to help them see clearly or more clearly the truth and beauty of the kingdom of heaven as we can experience it here in the Eucharist. Hey everyone, thanks for watching with us today. Hit that subscribe button right now so you don't miss a single thing. You can be part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples simply by sharing this video. We are so grateful you're part of our community.